With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Birthday to you, CJ. You're 40 now. You put your age out there. I'm allowed to put your age. Happy birthday. Well, belated birthday at this point. Your birthday was over the weekend. Uh, I'm glad I was able to sing happy birthday to you to start off this podcast. And I sure hope Jesse doesn't cut it off because of some copyright BS or anything like that. But happy birthday, CJ. Thanks, buddy. It's, uh, it's a big one. It was a good day. And uh, I'm feeling good, though. I, I decided, it's funny, you, you say the topic of putting the number out there. I just decided to own it. Like that was my approach to this because first of all, I have enough good friends that have substantial uh, followings in the hockey sphere, the Twitter sphere that I knew one or more of them were going to out me anyway. And, and, <laughs> you know, and put some birthday wish out on Saturday. And so I just got ahead of it. I was like, you know what? I feel great. Uh, I don't feel bad about this. I'm not having any sort of existential dread about uh, seeing that first number go to a four from being a three. Um, and so I just figured, you know what, why not, uh, why not uh, own my own stuff? And so here I am, I'm 40. How does it feel being a 40 year old? Like, I imagine it's cool, right? I'm nowhere near that yet. You know, obviously it doesn't feel any different than 39, like practically speaking. Um, you know, the last pod we did, I was 39. I don't feel any different today, but you know, it, it is, it's a, it's huge. Like I remember my dad celebrating his 40th birthday. Like I was a little kid, but like, I remember it was a big deal and they had a party and it sticks in my mind. And so like, it is definitely a reminder of the passage of time. I'd be lying if I said not, but you know, as I say, I feel like I'm in a really good spot in my life. I'm so pumped to be doing this with you. And obviously the other changes we've made it, we've talked about in other weeks, like physically, I feel great mentally. I'm clear. So, you know, I, I'm not going anywhere just yet, even though I got that, that four zero uh, tagged on me. And, and we don't want you to go anywhere, man. Like I've, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, like the brand has never been stronger, man. And a lot of people have been wishing you happy birthday on Discord, on Twitter. By the way, the SDPN Discord, it is hot right now. Go join that SPD, SPDN.ca. That's what, sorry, SDPN.ca. I know how to spell the... Uh, I know how to spell the Steve Dangle podcast network. SDPN.ca is where you can join the Discord. If you want to wish CJ a happy birthday and also, also uh, ask questions for a future Ask CJ segment, which we will get to uh, before the end of the show. But we have a lot we got to get to. Uh, the Brady Kachuk news dropped while we were doing our last podcast. We'll tie a bow on that. 
there's a report going around surrounding the Montreal Canadiens GM Mark Bergevin, where he may end up. Uh, we'll also plug the latest from CJ from the Toronto Star. Uh, but there's one particular story that kind of, you know, kind of reared its head during the weekend. And it's the story of Alex Bishop. Uh, he's a goaltender who uh, plays at the University of Toronto. He was signed to a uh, amateur tryout contract by the Toronto Maple Leafs. I was made available to them uh, because essentially cap constraints uh, with the situation going on there and some of the injuries that have plagued, I believe Peter Morazic is, is kind of sidelined for the foreseeable future. The Leafs were eventually able to call up Michael Hutchinson, but uh, a lot of noise has been made as a result of uh, the call up of Alex Bishop and the fact that the Leafs were in a position where they had to essentially dress a goalie who got to an ATO contract. Like I'm a bit amazed at the fact that it's the Leafs all of a sudden that now we're starting to have discussions about whether or not they should be in that position or we should have a soft cap. CJ, if you can, just kind of give us the finer details of this situation and and your thoughts on on what's out there and, and this whole situation. Well, there's a lot of misunderstanding, I think, in in the general you know population, even among some of my media colleagues here in Toronto, about what went on here. I believe. I mean, a lot of people took this as an opportunity, kind of the low hanging fruit to take a shot at the Leafs front office, at their cap management, at the fact that it's the first weekend of the season and they're in this situation. But, you know, I think that actually shows a lack of understanding of, of what they did. And, and here's what's interesting. I mean, the Leafs, like a lot of other top teams that have, you know, high-priced talent on their roster, you know, they, they are obviously flying very close to the, the salary cap ceiling at $81.5 million. Like, in, in a completely healthy environment, you know, where they don't have injuries or other things that might, you know, change this fact, they can only carry 21 skaters, uh, even though teams are permitted to have rosters up to 23 just because they don't have any, you know, they don't have any collection of 23 players that would be under that, that salary cap ceiling. And so, yes, they, they, they don't have a ton of flexibility when it comes to the cap, but you know, what they did is it's actually a first, you know, other teams, many teams over the years, including Vegas last year, 10 times Colorado already this season, the Calgary flames way back in 08 and 09. That's actually the reason this rule exists. Uh, it's called 50.10 uh, bracket E in, the, in your collective bargaining agreements for those scoring at home. You know, that, that came to be because the 0809 Calgary Flames had to play their last five games of the season short uh, because of cap issues. They actually ended up losing the division title to Vancouver that year by two points because uh, they were playing with 15 skaters the last couple of games. And, you know, the, the league then created a rule where if you're, you're short for one game, you can make emergency recalls to, to not have it so that you're short for multiple games in a row of players. And, but no one had ever done it with a goaltender is all I'm saying. So it's, it's happened with Fords and defensemen in the past. The Leafs elected to do it with a goaltender. And the reason they did that is because now that they sort of took their medicine on Saturday, it worked out fine, right? To, you know, Jack Campbell played that game, came through healthy, Alex Bishop got lots of shine. You know, I spoke to him actually on Sunday and, you know, it was really, he was still pumped. Like, I don't think his feet had touched the ground yet, even though it was a day later, uh, you know, and getting to, to be part of an NHL team for a day. But now the Leafs have been able to call up Michael Hutchinson and he doesn't count on their cap until Mrazic's injured, or, sorry, healthy again. And so mm-hmm. for five or six games now, the Leafs actually have more salary cap flexibility than they would have if they didn't do it this way. They have 13 forwards that are healthy. They have seven defensemen that are healthy. And they now have two NHL goaltenders on the roster until Mrazek is healthy. And so, you know, they could have done certain things. This doesn't maybe translate well to a podcast. We almost need like a, a telestrator board to really hammer this point home. But, you know, take my word for it because I, I, I do understand the dynamics here. You know, they could have sent down, for example, Timothy Lilligren or Rasmus Sandin uh, on Saturday 
called out Michael Hutchinson the regular way. And so they would have then played short a defenseman. Um, they would have had two NHL experienced goaltenders that night. But then for these future games, first of all, they'd be one injury away from being short again. And right. they, they also wouldn't have um, the ability to recall Lilligren or Sandine because of the way the rules work. And so in this case, they're recalling the goaltender they wanted and they're actually gaining extra lineup spots and, and fitting under the cap. And so, you know, by no means am I celebrating the fact that they, they, you know, ended up in this position because that wasn't the plan. It only happened because Ilya McKayev got injured. Austin Matthews got injured. Uh, Justin Hall got, got sick. So sick. He couldn't play in a game with a non COVID illness. And, and all that happened in a really short period of time, plus Mrazek's injury. Um, but I, I actually think they handled it quite well and they actually come out of it in a better spot than where they entered it. Um, and they're no worse for wear. And so I, you know, they're, they're getting ridicule on Twitter and in some of spots of the media here. I actually think they're going to get mimicked in, in by other NHL teams at some point. And other NHL teams might say, what's the real risk? Because it's only one game, right? And, and sure, it, it would have been probably the best situation if Alex Bishop had to come into that game as, as a goalie that plays normally in U sports and the Canadian university system. But, you know, okay, so you lose that one game and then you've got multiple games now where you got more flexibility. And the odds are, you know, goaltenders don't leave games injured all that often. I mean, it certainly happens, but it's not that common of an occurrence. And so, you know, it, it was something new. I think that it's actually quite smart what they've done and all the people that are sitting here kicking them for it. I mean, I, I just don't get it. I mean, they won the game and now they're in a much better position than where we could go to in terms of managing their roster. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. It it worked out for them. Michael Hutchison is on the team, the guy they wanted anyway, and it's not going to count towards the cap if I have that right. I have that he's right, told, right. Yeah, he's literally called a zero dollar recall. Like he he doesn't count okay. anything on the cap until Morazic's healthy. And then once Morazic's healthy, obviously if they kept him on on the cap or on, on the roster, you know he would still you count against the cap. But at that point, we just assume Michael Hutchison goes back to the American Hockey League and everyone moves along here. And so you know, I think this, I do think it's an example of good cap management under difficult circumstances versus, you know, the Leafs are idiots. And, you know, like the, the way it's being painted, honestly, is comical. Like it shows such a lack of understanding of the dynamics of the CBA. And again, we're going to see this multiple times this season with multiple teams. As I mentioned, Colorado already had that because they've been dealing with COVID cases. They had a suspension to Gabriel Landeskog. They got a couple other injuries. And so they, they were in that spot. You know, Vegas signed Petrangelo last year. And then they had to play 10 of their 56 games short at least one man and a couple short more more than one one time. So, you know, this is this is just the reality of the flat cap world and it gets more attention maybe, more eyeballs, more more voices because it's Toronto, but this this has been happening and it's going to continue happening. Do you I was talking about this with uh my friend Justin Cuthbert from the Iowa Sports Hockey podcast and he seemed a little bit disenchanted at these like e-bug stories, like the guys like Alex Bishop coming into a situation, we know he didn't play, but like we've seen that happen. We've seen the David Ayers thing happen. Scott Foster a couple of years ago in Chicago. Like, do you still think that's like a cool story to tell? Like, oh, hey, the random kid, kid off the street ends up on a team because of an injury that's there and they have to sign a guy to an ATO. Like, do you still think those stories are, are cool to report on? Like, it's, it's still interesting to you. Like, like, how do you feel about that? I, I love these stories, you know, and, and look, I'm, I'm not impervious to the idea. Look, there's two things that could happen that will make these stories much less cool. 
one day one of those goaltenders goes in and lets in like 12 goals or something like something absurd that, that sort of embarrasses the league or makes it, the whole thing look really Mickey Mouse. Or second, if one of them and, and you know, Scott Foster is an accountant, you know, David Ayers works at or is an arena manager, you know, one of these guys goes in and gets actually injured or hurt in a meaningful way that they can't perform their day jobs afterwards. I mean, they're for a period afterwards. You know, I think that that sort of takes maybe some of the charm away. But, you know, at least with Alex Bishop, he's 24 years old. He's in good shape. He's six foot four. You know, he's he played in the QMJHL for for parts of three seasons. You know, th- this isn't this isn't a nobody, and it's not you know not someone of David Ayers' age. And I say that with respect because David Ayers is about the same age I am. Uh, but you know, maybe a little less risk in that regard. And you know, it, like who can't put ourselves in his skates in a sense? I mean, I never played high enough level hockey. I'd be considered for any e bug type of situation, but. There are beer league goaltenders out there or lots of guys who, who played in the Canadian Hockey League or maybe got to the East Coast League but didn't ever get quite to their dreams. And this is a version of that. You know, what, what uh, Alex Bishop told me on Sunday when we spoke is, like, you know, he gets a, a jersey with his name on it. He's, he's looking to get a copy of the contract, that amateur tryout agreement you mentioned. You know, he's, he gets the game puck. He gets this whole day of Jack Campbell, who literally might be one of the most pure humans you could ever meet, like sitting beside him and talking him through it. His parents were in the crowd, 13 or 14 of his, his university of Toronto varsity blues teammates got tickets. And they literally just bought them on the bus when they were driving back from a game in Guelph and, and all came That's to the cool. game. That's you know, funny. Like all his buddies are in the crowd. His, his girlfriend said is lives in New Brunswick. He told me she had a party for everyone. I mean, like what a cool moment because look, this guy has worked hard through his career you know, he obviously dreamed of being an NHL goaltender. He actually told me that dreams recently, he's kind of, you know, he made peace with the fact that it's, it's probably not going to happen given his age. And I think he's probably after this is his final season at university, going to enter the, the workforce in, in a different way. I mean, but he got there for a day. Right. And I, I, so, you know, I get why some people might be cynical and we have heard it and seen it before, but I think, I think that's pretty cool. And if you can't recognize how, how neat that is, I mean, it, it always takes crazy circumstances too, right? Like it's not like, yeah, there's been a lot of them, but we're talking about a number of experiences happen over like 10 years. Like it's not like yeah. there's five a season. So, um, you know, I, I'm not sick of the story. I do think we'll get to a world, I should say too, Julian, parenthetically, that probably where every team's allowed to carry three goalies. And so you're going to lose some of these stories because I think teams will just have a third goaltender. Uh, and so it won't quite be the, the, the romance or the, you know, the storybook story, but you know, why not let someone have their day? Because, you know, it's, uh, Something that, you know, Alex Bishop was saying that this the most special part for him is all these people in his life that, you know, have helped him get to the point, you know, got to sharing it with them. And, you know, what else is life about than that? That's a really good way of putting it. Also, the silver lining to if we ever get to a world where NHL teams will carry three goalies all at once. There's some goalie in the system of some particular team who won't necessarily just get squeezed out and just be a journeyman between the HL and the ECHL it might end up working for them. They might get more time somewhere. So, yeah, I, I mean, while I understand, you know what, maybe there could be a reality where we see fewer Alex Bishops, a guy like a Michael McNeven, for example, might have more of a time in the pro level somewhere with some team. So there's always a silver lining to these things. Also, I should plug uh, the fact that uh, your conversation with Alex Bishop is in your latest inside the NHL column, which can be read in the Toronto star, among other things. The uh, poor guy had to take time off. He's studying for a midterm to take my call and do that. interview. Jeez. So, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, he, he said, he, I think his exact words are I'm in one right now. He said he had a big, pre- a big presentation Monday, midterms on Tuesday and Thursday, like his phone, you know, won't stop 
going bananas. You can imagine being in that spot. You know, he just had the Saturday night of his life. And so let's hope uh, his teachers show him some grace this week because it might not be the best way to prep for some big tests. I don't think there's a way where you can go to your prof and be like, hey, um, I, I can't do this exam on Monday because I have to go sit on the bench for the Leafs. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't know if that works at I'm all. I'm not saying you should get an excused absence, but maybe just be, be if there's any judgment calls on his test, you know, just just give him a little grace. That's all I'm saying. It's all, yeah, I, I don't know. It's worth a shot, I guess. I'm not Alex Bishop, but hey, maybe he's thought of it. Maybe he hasn't. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Um, another report that's kind of come around over in the last little bit, and I've seen it a lot more kind of popping up in my neck of the woods in Montreal. It's uh, the future of Mark Bergevin. We've spoken about the future, uh, what's been speculated out there, at least just what we think about it, uh, with regards to his position as general manager, uh, in Larry Brooks's latest in the New York post, uh, he mentioned uh, a little tidbit on Bergevin, basically kind of paraphrasing here. Don't be surprised if uh, more and more links between Mark Bergevin and the Los Angeles Kings pop up. For context here, Bergevin is in the final year of his contract as general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, a lot of questions being surrounded whether the fact he will actually return. Uh, every time he's been asked about it, he's basically been non-committal. As for LA, uh, the president just happens to be uh, the greatest score left winger of all time in Luke Robitaille. That is until... Alexander Ovechkin eventually uh, takes his place uh, atop the throne, but right now it's Luke Robitaille. But uh, there is some links between Mark Bergevin and the Los Angeles Kings. I was just curious uh, if you had any intel on that, any thoughts on that. What do you make of of this link between Mark Bergevin and Los Angeles? Well, I don't have any specific intel on Bergevin and Los Angeles itself or or the job that Larry Brooks has reported on here. But we should note a couple of things. Larry Brooks is you know, he's in the Hockey Hall of Fame in the writer section and is very respected for his work. You know, he's not someone known just for throwing, you know, random ideas in his head out there. So, you know, I, I suspect there is some smoke to this idea. And, and really what it hammers home for me, Julian, is just what this season could entail in Montreal, because, you know, it, it's just one rumor. He's not saying that this is a done deal or anything. It's it's sort of, right. hey, there's some, there's some thought that this, there could be, you know, a fit here. And, you know, I think that the longer Mark Bergevin goes without a contract extension with the Montreal Canadiens, especially the team struggles, which, you know, they're 0-3 out of the gate as we're recording this, you know, it's going to take on more stories like this one about where he might land or what might happen or who might replace him. And so, you know, I think that there's the high potential here for off-ice kind of drama or, you know, distraction. I I don't know how you want to phrase that best. Um, and I don't see him signing by now. I mean, look, there, there was discussions with Jeff Molson, the owner of the Canadians and Mark Bergeron going back to, 
you know, last season, like almost a year ago now uh, on, on an extension. And, and for whatever reason, they didn't get it done. Then, then the team goes on this, this run through the playoffs, reaches the Stanley cup final. I don't think too many people envision that for them. You know, even when the playoffs began, when they were down in the first round, of course. Um, and, you know, then the summer happens and they don't get the extension done. The Canadians announce about a week before the, the season starts that they're not going to negotiate during the season with Mark Bergevin. I mean, I, I think this is just the beginning of these types of rumors. And, and you know, my understanding really is that he wants to be paid among the elite general managers in the, in the league. Um, and, you know, there's, there's GMs making four to, you know, five million plus. Uh, and so that's kind of, I know that's a big range, but that's the general range you're probably looking at here. And, you know, if he doesn't get that in Montreal, I, I don't, you know, it's pretty clear. He's comfortable playing out his contract and seeing, you know, where else he might work. And you have to remember, like, this is someone who's, you know, Montreal might be the most intense media market in the NHL. I think just because right. of the, 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 you know, the two language factor is a factor. You have a very competitive set of French speaking reporters. And there's a big crew of yourself, like yourself, uh, you, know, in, you know, reporting in English as well. And it's, it's a small town in the sense that there isn't really a number two sport. I mean, with respect to the soccer team and the Alouettes, you know, like the Montreal Canadians are the show in town, you know, in, in a market like Toronto, you know, the Raptors do get attention. The Blue Jays get attention, of course, you know, there's tons on the Maple Leafs too. Um, And so I think that that might be the most high pressure job in some ways or the most visible and, you know, if, if you're Mark Bergeron, you don't get the, the amount of money or the contract that makes sense there. Maybe just look and say like, hey, I can go work somewhere else. It's not going to be that same level of public scrutiny. You might not get that kind of money somewhere else then, but maybe it's time for a fresh start. I mean, I, I think it's reasonable to think that. I mean, he's been the GM of this team for almost a decade. And that's that's a long time in that environment. It's very difficult to do. The team's had you know a fair bit of success. I think he's shown himself particularly in his trades that, that he's come out on the right side of those more often than not. And so, you know, this, this, this franchise feels like it's at a point where something's going to happen. And, and, you know, I have to believe Bergerman won't be their general manager next year. Obviously there's a circumstance where that could change. Maybe his boss is picking up the phone right now and offering a contract in the range that we just meant discussed there. And, and this all gets done, but given how long it's dragged on without that conclusion, I think it points to an eventual separation here. And, you know, maybe the Kings do make sense. I mean, certainly has uh, some ties to people in Los Angeles. You know, he's known to be quite close with Pat Brisson, for example, a CAA, but he's based in L.A. I'm not sure about his relationship with Luke Robitaille, but I think it's reasonable to assume they would know each other. I mean, the hockey world's small. Everyone knows each other. And so, you know, I I think if if Bergeron moves on from the Canadians, there will be lots of different things put in front of him. And, you know, maybe it's the best thing for everyone to have that separation. But right now we're in the middle spot where – you know, he's still there, but this is all going to be in the air. And I, I think we'll hear a lot of these stories uh, the longer this sort of goes unresolved. Uh, by the way, before we uh, just wrap a bow on the Bergevin topic here, considering how crazy the 2021 calendar year has been for the Montreal Canadiens, having it end with their general manager deciding that he's not going to come back to the team, that just, I mean, at this point, if you have a bingo card with the Montreal Canadiens and this crazy year they've been going through, that Maybe that's there. Maybe that isn't. That just kind of would kind of cap off what I think has just been the wildest 12 months I have ever seen a professional organization, at least in hockey, go through. This is the, the wild offseason they had in the bubble. 
uh, sorry, well, after the bubble, post-bubble, trying to go through a 56-game season, a year where it starts off really great, then goes into the crapper, then eventually rises up to get up again in time for a Stanley Cup final run, the Logan Mayu ordeal, uh, and the that's whole self, bunch that's of That's a self-inflicted gunshot wound, that one, though. Absolutely. No that is. Is. But no, no, re- to, no reason to relitigate that, but like that, that no. was unavoidable. Or sorry, that was avoidable, rather. Absolutely. But the, the point I'm just trying to say is, is that if you've been following the Montreal Canadiens pretty much since January on to now, it feels as if at some point there is some story that has popped up that, it, that you're just like, wow, you're just trying to find a way to get your head wrapped around it. And having this year end, whether the season or the calendar year end with Mark Bergevin decide, you know what, I'm going to take my talent somewhere else. I think that would just cap off some of the craziest. I mean, I can't think unless you could think of another instance in your in your journalism career where you've seen wilder things over a team over the course of a year. I can't think of any other team that's gone through this much in that period of time. I, how I look at it is they've been the biggest story in hockey on a lot of days. Like, I mean, league wide, like more days than you would expect. Every team gets that sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad reasons at some point during a calendar year. But that's been Montreal, whether it's, you know, the day Claude Julien is fired in season, you know, too. coaching changes are, are big news, you know, on the very serious end of things, you know, they had Jonathan Drouin stepping away, uh, quite yes. surprisingly to those of us on the outside at the time, we've had Carey Price step away from the team here in recent months. In the summer, you had Carey Price being exposed to Seattle in the expansion draft. You had the news emerge that Shea Weber's career is in serious question and certainly that he won't play this season. Um, you know, you had a COVID outbreak at one point last season among the players and they were shut down. Then you had Dominic Ducharme, the head coach, get COVID and have to miss uh, a, a game in the Stanley Cup final because of it, because of the quarantine attached to it. And I'm sure I'm missing something else. I mean, that's just off the top of my head. And so, yeah, um, it's it's Mark, been it's been Mark Bergevin. I think I, well, before the Stanley Cup final I had to address uh, the Chicago Blackhawks situation that's been right. unraveling over the last few months as well. Uh, he, of course, has denied uh, any involvement with what's going on. We need to put that out there. But yeah, you're right. There have been more days than not where the Munchauk Canadians have been the topic of discussion over this past year. And it's, no wonder Arpin Vasu at The Athletic is just such a must read, you know, because he's it's you're talking about a guy with the great talent and perspective and information, but also, you know, a story to tell because there's there's been a lot of stories to tell. Absolutely. And uh, a stick tap to my colleague as well, Marc-Antoine Godin. Uh, who I've been reading since high school, who has also uh, been doing some great work the Montreal, uh, covering the Montreal Canadiens on the French side. Uh, I guess this is the point where I say I was, subscribe to The Athletic. I was going to say, you just, you, just, you just inadvertently like punched Marc Antoine in the gut there by saying you've been reading him since high school. So, Well, shit, geez. I, I legit have been reading him since high school. Like I would have like in my French class in high school, uh, my French teacher would have these like La Presse newspapers across class and I would always grab one and go to the sports section. And before he joined the athletic is at La Presse, I would read Marc Antoine like all the time. I don't think I've ever even told him that, but uh, yeah, sorry. I, I hope he listens to the old. pod. I hope he listens to the pod as well. Um, Brady Kachuk, we mentioned him during our last podcast. We were fortunate enough to uh, not record a show and, and miss that. We were able to get him on. The, we were able to get that tidbit on the show. Um, is there any other detail, any other set of details from the whole negotiation process or the aftermath of it that we we did really get to in the last episode that we want to get to uh, today? Sure. You know, I, I think what's interesting to me, Julian, is you know ultimately I think what happened here to get this deal done is 
you had a player that didn't want to miss any time. And and right. yes, you know, Brady Kachuk's missing a couple games to start the season, but in, in the big scheme of things, he's, he's not really missing much time. And so, you know, when it got to last week, as, as the NHL regular season was set to begin, I think that the the circumstances were there where the team didn't want him to miss time. He didn't want him to miss time, sort of as we talked about in prior episodes. At the start of the year, I think, really was a deadline that, that pushed some movement. And, you know, what's interesting to me is that the Senators themselves really stuck to their guns on a long-term contract. I mean, there, there were options, I think, to them to do a shorter deal here. Um, maybe would ended it a little bit quicker, but you know, they really were quite strong in their convictions that this had to be a long-term deal that they wanted to remove any questions about his future at the franchise. I mean, if you sign a three-year contract for, for the first minute, everyone reports he signed a three-year contract and then everything becomes about what happens in two years and is he going to leave? And is it a sign he doesn't believe in this rebuild or this management group, what have you. And so, you know, I think what, what's interesting is that they, they really, remained steadfast in that and ultimately, you know, made him the highest paid player on the team with a little bit more of a cap than, than Thomas Shabbat to get it done. You know, the other part that the, the one thing that maybe we don't think about negotiations is it sounds like what really made a difference here is Pierre Dorian had suggested um, to the agents for Brady Kachuk from, from Newport sports. Why don't we meet in the middle, <laughs> like quite literally. And they met in Belleville where the, the centers have an AHL franchise and so the Newport group drove from Mississauga near Toronto. Uh, Senators management group drove from Ottawa. And, you know, I, I guess that investment in time is a little different than a phone call, right? So you, everybody's in two hours in the car or, or maybe even more coming from Toronto, depending what time of day you leave. And so you yeah. already put that time in. Then you got to sit down. I mean, it, it almost, it just makes it so, does, does either side really want to make this a waste of time or let's get some work done? And, you know, it sounds like that conversation went on about three hours I think that's really where the framework of the deal was made. I know he didn't, you know, it was another day and a half before it became official, but, you know, I think that that's where the sort of the impasse or stalemate ended. And my goodness, ever since he signed, like you can just feel the excitement and the energy around the center's organization. I think they did a smart thing, honestly, by insisting on the long-term deal. You know, they had to give him a lot of money and all that sort of stuff uh, to make it happen. But I, I do think, you know, it's worth it because this this is going to be the next captain of their team. You know, I do know he's he's been skating with the group ever since he, he got to Ottawa last week. You know, on Saturday, he took the trainers out for, for a lunch. They were in Toronto on a road trip. Like, you know, just small gestures like that. I think it sort of show why he's captain material. His teammates love him. You can see the excitement when, when they introduce him there before their home opener. And so, you know, it, it, I think it's one of these ones. It was a difficult negotiation. Definitely frustration built up on both sides when it went through. But, you know, that all got flushed pretty quickly and started with that face-to-face meeting in Belleville and, you know, getting him to sign long-term. And, you know, now he's going to be the face of the franchise, in my opinion. I think he'll be the next captain, you know, sort of goes from Alfredson to Eric Carlson, and and now it'll be Brady Kachuk next in line. Yeah, if you're an Ottawa Senators fan, you are wiping the sweat off your brow. Phew, this guy's locked up for the foreseeable future. Also, I loved uh, the introduction. Uh, I think it was during the Leaf Sens game where he's just shown and he's just amped up, ready to go. The WWE style promo. I love it. Yeah. And, and he leaned into it, right? Like he, that wasn't put on. Like th- this is, I think that you get a window. If you don't know Brady Kachuk, you get a window into what kind of guy he is. I think he just loves the game, appreciates his position and station in life. And, and, you know, I think he's excited to be part of that team too, as much as, you know, at times it's been easy to take shots at the senators, obviously a lot of Crazy stuff's gone on there in the last four or five years since they reached the Eastern Conference Final in 2017. But they have a pretty promising stable of young players. 
now they're, they're getting these guys signing up long-term like Thomas Shabbat did, Drake Batherson, uh, Brady Kachuk. You know, I expect they'll get on to Josh Norris next. Uh, you know, he's in the final level, final year of his entry-level contract. And, you know, I think that they'll they'll give this group a run together and get, allow them to grow into players together. And, you know, they got a fun-loving guy in Brady Kachuk to keep things light over a long season because you do need players like that on a team for sure. The Ottawa Senators, man, they're on the up and up. Whether Don't it's- sleep on them. Don't sleep on the Ottawa Senators. They're aiming for the playoffs this year. Don't I just, sleep on. They need to get, I don't they know need to get saves. Though. They need to get yes. saves. That, that's my view. I mean, and look, I, I just watched two games they played. Anton Forsberg played great in both games, won a win, won a loss. Um, they've got a young goaltender coming, Gustafson. But, you know, Matt Murray started the year uh, with an illness unrelated to COVID. So he hasn't played just yet. But, you know, I think how he performs could make or break, you know, the standings points needed to, to really be in that playoff hunt or, or not. And, you know, he needs a bounce back campaign after his first year in Ottawa. For sure. If they're not a playoff team this year, which I don't have them as a playoff team this year, maybe next year. It's it's not too far off for the Ottawa Senators. Um, I know we're at the point where uh, Adam Wilde wants us to be a 30-minute show, but uh, we failed him once again. Sucks to suck, Adam. Uh, <laughs> I, should have, I, went, I actually meant to, si- to start a timer today, but I forgot what we got going, so... I, I try to like look at the clock and like, here's the thing, man. Like we don't purposely, like we try, like, yes, we, there was the whole idea. We want to be 30 minutes. This is a good show. You say a lot of gems, CJ. Like, I don't want to cut you off and be like, Hey, don't tell us, don't inform us. Like, what, what do you want me to do? Do you know what we should do at the 30 minute mark? It'd be awesome if we could like have like a ceremonial minute for Adam, like just like, all right. <laughs> it's sort of like when a soccer team marks a certain minute, you know, because of something that happened in their history with a chant or whatever, like be like, all right, this is the point where you want us to stop big boss, man, but we're going to keep on just trucking through. See, uh, uh, to our production, uh, King Jesse Blake, can we just have like a production note where like every time we reach the 30 minute of recording, we get some kind of like bell where we or just, just know it's the yeah, 30 just like a, just a yeah. thing. Yeah, that's it. It's like, okay, this is supposed to be a 30 minute show. We obviously did not respect that. We'll just give a minute where we'll just be like, hey, remember when this was supposed to be a 30 minute show and just dump all over that. Well, at the I don't very know, least, are we in trouble though? Like I, I can't no. tell because he doesn't. He doesn't no. seem to love this, though, Adam. You know, no. and here's the thing. Here's the like, thing. He is the boss, man. Let's let's be real about this. I mean, can, I mean, yes. We're the new guys. We're the new guys on the scene here. Like we got Andrew Berkshire. He's got a little bit less tenure than us. But I mean, we're 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 playing with some fire here on the STPN. Here's the thing, right? Like Adam, I think the world of Adam. You know, he he gets things done, but he's not Chris Johnston. You know what I'm saying? Like, if there's someone who could go over 30 minutes, I think you're able to do that. Not to mention a lot of people, especially underneath some of those tweets that Adam puts out there where he seems to be angry about the fact that we go over 30 minutes. A lot of people are saying, hey, go longer than 30 minutes. Go an hour long. I think we need to give the people what they want as far as I'm concerned. So That's true. I I just don't know. Has Adam realized that he's paying us double time once we get to 30 minutes? Like everything after that, it's like it's we're getting paid bonus now. So this is this is overtime. CJ, you and I should probably have a conversation about that. Offline. So that's on that. That's probably an offline conversation to have when it comes to being paid. Okay. It is time uh, for a segment that uh, I love and I know CJ loves as well. And uh, you've probably had your question answered in the inside the NHL column on the Toronto Star. But we like to give the opportunity for everyone else uh, who listens to the CJ show to get this time as well. uh, I should let you know, CJ. Yes. The. the the response to this has been more than I would have guessed, if I'm being honest, through two weeks. And there is some discussion about maybe even that I'll have a mailbag that'll appear in the Toronto Star, like even separate to this, 
with some okay. of the spillover questions. So, I mean, it, it will all be dependent on demand. Like, I'm not going to force it. If, if people don't want to bother throwing stuff out there, you know, I'm not going to force them. But if, if the avalanche of questions keep coming every weekend, you might you might get some answered in the inside the NHL column on Monday morning. Some answered on our Monday afternoon podcast on the CJ show and then maybe a, a mailbag midweek, Tuesday, Wednesday, something like that. So, you know, I, I think that the point is. I want to be there for you guys because, you know, you and I, Julian, like we got a great process down. We talk about what we, we think people want to hear about, but, you know, we don't always know what the people want. And, and so I think it's important that the audience is, is being heard and being part of this conversation with us. Absolutely. You got to give the people what they want. Imagine putting this man to 30 minutes. Sheesh. Anyway. I got the handful of questions here uh, for future reference. You can go on our Discord. You can tweet at Reporter Chris. Reporter Chris. Wow. Excuse me. Reporter Chris on Twitter. I don't know what's going on with my English. Jeez. Slip it up today. That's why you got to drink water. Your English is still better than my French, bud. (laughs) I hope so. Um, Here are some of the questions we got, uh, again, on Discord, on Twitter, uh, just send us questions and every Monday we will get to them. Uh, first one from Congo Red on Discord. What are some must-have equipment for your jobs in media that you can't live without? For example, something you make sure is packed. Have a story about forgetting some equipment. So I guess it could be like anything like a notebook or laptop or recorder or, or just like essentials. You know, like that GQ YouTube series where it's like, here I could never go anywhere without my essentials. Like this is, this is your, your time to show off the essentials you have. Well, so I've always believed that less is more. Like I, I want to have the smallest, but most functional laptop because, you know, especially in pre COVID times I traveled a ton. And so if you're carrying around a big brick, like it just gets tiring, you know, you don't want to have to do that. And so you know, I've, I've tried to keep it really simple. I actually have a second phone that I carry. It's, it's basically mm-hmm. my previous version of the phone that I use now. And I use that to record interviews, uh, which is handy because then if you think of this interview, you can go back and find it pretty quickly. And also if I, you know, occasionally I do a phone interview and if I'm somewhere where I can do it, I just put my one phone on speaker and record with the other one uh, so that I can get the quotes accurate. So, um, you know, really I'm, I'm a like minimalist laptop and secondary phone guy. And that's, that's pretty much the extent of what I have now. Now podcasting has made things different, right? Cause now I got mm-hmm. this mic and you know, I actually, I'm just not at the point I, I need actually to buy a better laptop for video quality and, and audio quality. And so, you know, I, I know some of you have been out there pointing out that I, I haven't always had the best setup, so I'm going to get a better setup. And so this will probably force me away from my my minimalist uh, tendencies, but, you know, I do think less is more just because you're walking around a lot, carrying this stuff. Uh, You know, as for stories, I have written multiple stories, either on a cell phone, uh, actually way back in the day, just because, you know, some sort of technology fail. Um, I remember going to the masters a long time ago, you know, and this is when I was, this is new when I was new to traveling and, you know, when, especially when you're young in your career, I mean, I'm not saying I don't want to do a great job now, but you put a lot of pressure on yourself if you don't have many trips because you want to get the next trip and you want to be in line and and be trusted. And, And I got to the masters and had some kind of epic laptop fail. And I had to write an entire story on my Blackberry, like on deadline and quickly. Um, and I managed to do it. I managed to do it, you know, and, and I can do it. I mean, the cell phones nowadays, they're really only one step below a laptop as it is. I mean, a lot of them have fairly big screens. It's it's easy to copy and, and you know, copy and paste text up and down with if you're dealing with quotes or what have you. 
Uh, like it's doable. I, I certainly wouldn't want to do it as standard operating, you know, behavior. Um, but you know, I, I've have to, had to, to do that in the pinch in the past. And so I guess that's a long way of saying you can always find it. My biggest nightmare or, or fear or whatever you want to call it is getting a, a good interview. And then for whatever reason, not having it record or having it disappear or losing that phone of mine that has all those interviews. Like it's not even, this one wasn't such a stressful interview, but like I talked to Frederick Anderson last week for my inside the NHL column. I didn't actually transcribe that for like a day and a half after. And I was like, Oh man, what happens if my phone dies or, you know, cause like I wanted oh to, God. you know, I'd taken, it's funny, like Frederick actually phoned me while I was on a jog. So I, I missed <laughs> that call. Uh, and then I, and then I, I got back home and I was like, Oh, sorry, I missed your call Freddie. You know, sent him a text. I'm around the rest of the day. Then he phones me like an hour later, right. I'm in the middle of the radio interview. So I couldn't take his radio interview. So I'm already like two calls deep on him before he's talked. And then, you know, he was great. We talked for 20, 25 minutes, whatever, caught up a little bit, did the interview. And then I was like, imagine I lost that audio. So, you know, I got to get better at not putting off the transcription because, you know, that's, that's, I think a journalist nightmare, especially when you've asked a favor of someone or they've called you or taken time out of their day, you'd, you'd hate to lose those, those quotes or those, those thoughts. Oh, for sure. Um, when I was in, I know for me, sometimes like transcribing audio, it's like a process and I don't do it all the time, but when I was in university, I had to take part in some project where essentially I had to go up North for a few days and do a story with a few other journalists on uh, this budworm infestation in this one part of the province. And I had to do interviews with people who spoke no English. And I had to transcribe all that and then translate that from French to English. So after that, I know I never complain about transcribing interviews. I will never, ever do that. And as for my equipment, I just have uh, a ThinkPad laptop. Uh, I got my roots like knapsack in the corner. Uh, I only have one phone. Uh, I'm not, I'm not Kevin Gates. I don't have two phones yet or, or Kyle Dubas. I guess that's the more relevant meme where he has the two phones. Remember that? Remember that photo? Yeah. 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 I got two uh, phones, bud. Yeah. Hey, there we go. I got two phones. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we should, I should take this opportunity since this question came up, like crowdsource yes. guys, tell me what laptop I should buy. Um, yes. just, I, I really, all I need for it is to do these zooms and, and to do what Julian and I are doing for the pod, but you know, I want a better camera, be sure the audio quality is good and then be able to write stories on it that I'm filing to, to work. So uh, if you have any inspired decisions, uh, please send them. And also it's probably not going to be Mac. I know that it's, you're all going to tell me I need to get a Mac, but you know, we've been through it. I'm an Android guy. So I, I wouldn't mind if there's something that is not uh, Apple based. Damn, you you go all the way, not even because uh, I have a Mac. But like, damn, okay. So I respect that. Write down in the comments section uh, what type of laptop uh, CJ should get. Also, if you are on the SDPN Discord, write it somewhere. I don't know if we can start a whole chat for CJ laptop. Get at me. I, I, need, I need to upgrade my, yeah. my gear here. So I need, I need some help. All right. Next question uh, through the Ask CJ segment, which has already gone off the rails. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, this one's from Canuck Child on Twitter. Who has the highest potential right now to become a superstar in the National Hockey League that isn't being talked enough? It's maybe the talk starting. I think it's Jack Hughes for me, honestly. Um, you know, if you look at the underlying results he's had in New Jersey, they've been pretty good and those teams haven't been great you know, his first couple of years in the league, you know, he hasn't put up monster point totals just yet. Uh, but 
you know, you're starting to see him pop a little bit. And, you know, I'm thinking of the overtime goal he scores, throws a stick in the crowd. Like, I think, you know, I think that he's going to deliver on the promise of, of being a top pick. And so, I, I mean, it depends how we define superstar here. Cause I think there's truly only like a couple superstars in the league. Like it just depends where you want to draw the line. Right. I mean, I think that there's probably unanimous agreement on McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews, um, you know, dry sidles got to have a place there. You scored 50 twice already. You know, you might get into sort of like Marner Barzell type of guys. Like, but my point is, I, I don't know where, you know, Kale McCarr I'm putting there on the blue line. Crosby, Ovechkin um, have legacy status. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, we're looking at, we're sort of looking at the best players of this moment. And that's not the hate on the the guys that have been doing it forever. In fact, we showered Ovi with love the last pod, but we did. Um, you know, if we're looking for like, who are the real impact players? You know, I don't know. I don't necessarily see Jack Hughes getting in like that top three category, but I think he's going to be really good. And and maybe this season, like maybe he's his moments arrived. Uh, you know, that same Larry Books column that, that you mentioned from Sunday, he, he talked him up for for Team USA for the Olympics. And, you know, what's interesting about that is with Jack Eichel being unable to participate because of his uh, injury status, you know, Austin Matthews is obviously that team's number one center at the Olympics. But after that, they, they don't have elite, elite guys down the middle. Like Dylan Larkin's probably the second line center for Team USA. No hate on Dylan, really good player. But, you know, it's it's not like Canada being able to come at you with McDavid and Crosby. And like, I don't even know. they've Canada's so many centers. I'm not sure who's playing center. Like, is, is Mark Scheifele a center on that team or is he a winger? Anyway, we could go on that, that tangent. But, um, you know, I, I do think Team USA could use a little more help below Matthews at, at that center position. And so if Jack Hughes is ready right now, I mean, that's that's a great development for them heading into Beijing. And, and I certainly think for me, he's someone I look at that's going to get there in the next year or two anyway. Are those Olympic long lists out anywhere? I didn't see them. Are no, they going to so, be out anywhere? No. So part of the agreement was that they won't be publicized. And my understanding is mm. like, I can't even call up someone at Hockey Canada and be like, yeah, but maybe whisper me a few names. Like, I think it's pretty, I don't know the language in that. And obviously some names will be out there. You know, someone's agent will tell someone, hey, just so you know, my player is on Canada's long list. Like a few names will probably be identified beyond the ones that we just already know intuitively that are going to be included. Um, but I, I would be shocked if you ever saw all 59, 55 names from any country published uh, and especially in Canada. I think they're sensitive to the deal that was made. But it's 50 players, skaters and five goaltenders that are part of that list. And anyone not on that list, uh, which went in on Friday? Can't play for Team Canada in Beijing. Okay. Well, I figured and that's what, at see, least they that don't is. want that to be the story, right? They publish the story. We're going to go to who's the 51st skater, like who who should have been included and wasn't, and then ask for his response. Like, I get why they want to keep this semi-private and and all that. And the players, I should mention too, Julian, on that long list, like they, they, they lose some of their freedoms now. Like they have to, they're subject to different drug testing uh, because there's a different standard for the Olympics. And so that's part of their life. They've got to fill out all this paperwork and everything. Like, like it's, you know, obviously they want to represent their countries, but to look at it another way, there's 30 players on that long list that's going to, that are going to go through all that and not get to go to Beijing. And so, you know, I think that they want to recognize, you know, <laughs> that they, they just don't want that out there, I think. 
Uh, thank you for answering the next question I was going to ask is that uh, do the players who are on that, are the players who are on that long list, do they know that they're on it? Or if it's just like a list that's just out there and then they just cut from that. But if they're going to be subjected to different testing, I'd imagine they would know they're on the list. Yeah, And the players had the right to decline it too. That was part of the agreement. So oh, I, didn't know that. I, I have no knowledge of anyone who did that, but they, I do know that they had the right. If, you know, if hockey Canada came to you and said, Hey, we want to put you on our long list. You could say, do you know what? I don't think I'm going to make the team. I don't want to go through all the drug testing or what have you, the extra work on, with that. You know, thanks, but no thanks. I, 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 I would, I can't even guess. I have no idea if anyone did that, but the players did have that right if they chose to to do that. So you know what I think someone might end up doing, or I figured someone would have done it by now. We we, we see people do these mock lineups with the actual team that's being brought there. What if someone went through all the trouble and said, these are the 55 players that should be on Canada's log list? Like, what if someone actually does it? I mean, we got a pretty passionate fan base. I wouldn't be surprised if someone did that. I mean, (laughs) I, I once dropped a nugget on the SDP in which I gave like two parameters hinting at a guy that Leafs might trade for this past offseason. And people like spent days like <laughs> narrowing down every player it could be or couldn't be and then speculating on it. And this is a true story. On my birthday, on Saturday night, I, I went to the, the Leafs Senators game and then a few met a couple friends out for a drink after the game. And I was waiting in line to get seated. And, you know, a guy comes up. He's like, can you tell me who that guy was? Like, I listened to the <laughs> SDP. Like, like, is it safe yet? Uh, so like people, people, a people are, don't underestimate what the people are willing to do and B they, they don't forget. So I, I don't, I won't be playing that game too much anymore. Cause I, some people got dangerously close to figuring out who I was pointing to. And, oh boy. And yeah. And well, it's just, it's not fair. Like it, I was trying yeah. to have fun and I was you know telling the truth. It was information I'd heard, but it certainly wasn't anything that I had clearance to be going public with or that I could was, you know, it was really more just trying to give a nugget to the fans, but it, I might've given the, Flew a little close to the sun on that one. Put it that way. Okay. I won't put you in trouble on that anymore. And I'll go back to the rest of the questions. On I will say CJ. this. If the Leafs ever trade for this player, because they didn't in the offseason, I will identify it then. And I know that that's maybe no fun to everyone, but I will I will clear. The, or or if it maybe one more year passes and it's like just something that clearly isn't going to happen, I, I will one day be honest about this. But until then, it lives uh, along with our, our you know pilot episode. Like it, it lives in the darkness so far. Yeah, we, that won't see the light of day yet. Um, this next one, uh, it's more of a funny one, but uh, I'm really curious what your answer to this will be. This is from Andrew Saldana on Twitter. Hello, King. Do you know what the J in Jeff Carter's middle name stands for? <laughs> I don't know. I, well, oh does he have J as a middle name? I, I, I just assumed that he did. And I just figured since you know everything that that was the case. That's not my ballywalk. I, I don't know. I have Jeffrey no John Carter. I don't know. Jeffrey James Carter. I think hockey reference normally has like players full name. So maybe this is something we could just discover for ourselves as we do this. I don't no, know. Any, it doesn't like, have I, it there. I barely know anyone's middle name, man. Like I, you got to be in my tight inner circle for me to know your middle name. So. I, st- yeah, I, definitely, full- I, don't, I definitely don't know some random NHL player's middle name. Okay. It was worth a shot. Jeffrey J. Carter. And I don't know what the J is for. Well, it was at least worth a shot. Thank you, Andrew Saldana, for the question. You know what? Uh, I'll get to the bottom of that one, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll figure that out middle- for you. 
whatever the middle name is, we'll have that as a future title for an episode of the CJ show. Um, JM85 on Discord says, what was a trade from any year that you thought was going to happen and it was pretty much guaranteed that ended up not happening? Uh, I really thought Eric Carlson was going to get traded to Vegas. And, you know, that was pretty strongly rumored at the time. You're going to have to help me out with the years, but it, it was the trade deadline before he actually got moved to San Jose. Yeah. Where it went down right to three o'clock Eastern and they just didn't, weren't able to get it done. Um, I, I actually think the package. I'm trying, it's funny. Cause there's, there's, there's like four teams that were involved in multiple transactions, right? So Montreal traded Max Pacioretty to Vegas. Yes. But San Jose was interested in Pacioretty. And I think that a lot of what San Jose ended up trading to Ottawa for Carlson was on the table for Pacioretty. Not every last detail. Obviously, at that time, Carlson did get more. I mean, he was you know, not far removed from his most recent Norris Trophy. Um, but there was a lot of interplay between Vegas, San Jose, Montreal, and Ottawa on those maneuvers at the time. And I really thought, I mean, we've seen the Golden Knights there – that's an aggressive organization. And I say that in the best way possible. I, I, yeah. I think, it, I mean, other, some people, obviously fans got their feelings hurt, obviously by the way things are down with Marc-Andre Fleury. But if you're cheering for that team, you have no question that ownership and management is turning over every rock they can to, to try to win. And so I, I thought that was a deal that was going to happen. It didn't end up going down. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's probably the one that, that sticks in my mind from the last couple of years. Okay. That's really interesting. Uh, I think LA, I was also interested in Max Pacioretty as well. Yeah, he wasn't. Uh, he didn't want to sign the extension there, and so that that killed the deal. That was exactly. at the that was at the Dallas draft twenty. Yes, that was team. Yeah, because that I think was well before Pacioretty was traded, like at the end of that summer. So that was twenty eighteen. Now you're right. jogging my memory as well. Well, it's just interesting because Vegas and San Jose at that time were two teams that were trying to get as much big game talent as they could, and they were floating the same names that moved in other deals. Because they they identified what they were willing to trade for that talent, right? So like, I'm pretty sure like someone like I'm pretty sure was Chris Tierney in the deal to Ottawa um, for Carlson. For let me example. pull up the deal. Uh, yeah, let me just pull up the deal real quick because I don't remember the de- the exact details offhand. And yes, if you're watching on uh, YouTube, I am googling this like on my phone. So, but, but think think too like from those trades, you know. Vegas made three first round picks the first year they became into existence. One of them is Nick Suzuki. So Suzuki ends up in Montreal in the Pacioretty deal. Um, you know, Eric Brandstrom was another one. Brandstrom goes to Ottawa. At the time, I think Brandstrom was thought to be the better prospect initially. Um, probably the more desired one at, at that point in time by a lot of people. Um, I, we're not looking at it the same way today. Eric Brandstrom's still kind of a question mark and Nick Suzuki's getting paid a lot of money starting next season and is you know, yes. a big part of the Montreal Canadiens future down the middle. Um, so it's just interesting that, that those teams had a lot kind of going on between them. Uh, and as you can tell, my brain's a bit scrambled by some of the specific details because there was so much crossover, but I do know that the Carlson trade to San Jose could have been similar to what a patch ready trade to San Jose. Like again, not the exact same, but some crossover in those returns. Some of the details in there, uh, Chris Tierney, Rudolph's Balsers, 
Uh, defenseman Dylan DeMello, who is not in Ottawa or San Jose, is in Winnipeg now. Uh, the rights to unsigned forward Joshua Norris, a first-round pick in the 2019 draft or 2020, a second-round pick in 2019, and two conditional draft picks. So that's yeah, what those it wouldn't all have been that going Ottawa. It wouldn't be as Damn. many picks in, in the Montreal side. And I don't know if it was Norris. Like I, I wish I could remember that. But yeah, fans love that's those okay. questions. But like it's funny because over time, you you just some of it gets beaten out of your mind. You're, you know what I mean? But definitely I thought Carlson was going to be a golden knight. That's really interesting. Uh, and, next and alternate one. history. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Eric Carlson, obviously, unfortunately, he's just, he hasn't been healthy. He's not the player he was. I mean, for me, he's one of the, my favorite players I've ever watched, honestly, uh, when he was at his peak and, you know, but Vegas doesn't get him. Instead, they end up signing Alex Petrangelo. And I think that's worked out quite well for them. Like just, it's funny sometimes the decisions you don't make or that don't come together, you know, how it does change history. Cause had they, had they got Carlson, I don't think Petrangelo will be playing in Vegas today. Last question for you, Siege. Uh, this one's from Joe Patente on Twitter. Do you have any update on the Vitali Kraftsoff trade request, the, uh, the New York Rangers prospect, interested teams, anything like that? And what are your thoughts on the New York Rangers possibly losing another top 10 draft pick due to mismanagement? Well, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I don't know if it's mismanagement in this case. You know, I, I guess it's fair for the question to infer that. You know, I, I still don't have the full dynamic of what's going on here. And I, I do think it's possible maybe the bridge gets repaired. I mean, this, you know, it doesn't look good today because, you know, last I heard on Kravtsov, he's in Russia now, you know, didn't refuse to go and report to, to the Hartford uh, Wolfpack. Um, but, you know, it's happened before, you know, remember Jesse Pugliarvi, he's looking pretty good right now in the Oilers. And, and, you know, he spent a year over in Finland and looked for a long time, like he'd be dealt, like nothing's done until it's done. And especially with a player that young, you know, I think ultimately the Rangers have to get something of substance back. And I don't think that that's on the table right now. Right. There's lots of teams picking up the phone and, and feeling out Chris Drury on how little they can potentially give, you know, to get that lottery ticket coming their way. But, you know, I don't get the feeling that this unnecessarily is done in terms of the Rangers. So, um, you know, tough spot for the kid. It reminds you of the Leah Anderson situation. You know, he was, I believe, the seventh or eighth overall pick a couple of years ago by the Rangers, you know, ends up getting traded for the 60th overall pick to LA because things just didn't work out there with him and the team. And he'd gone back to Sweden to play for a time. Um, and so to have two top 10 picks that close together and, potentially kind of leave with nothing would be a, a difficult outcome, especially because you know, the Rangers have gone through a rebuild. I mean, I think that they hope it's in the past now, um, but you know, part of those rebuilds, you, you're hoping to hit on those picks. Uh, and uh, to the point where, yes, of course, and the, the number one thing is you want those players to star for you, but at, at minimum, you want to have something that you're trading for something big. Like you want to have a real asset. And right now, if they're trading crafts off as talented as he is, as young as he is, he's not, he's a bit of a depreciated asset because of how this has gone down. And that's very much what we saw in the Leah Sanderson case. Yes, that's very true. And that's going to do it for the ask CJ portion of the CJ show. We got through all the questions. There were some extra ones kind of sprinkled in there, but uh, really great questions. Again, uh, every Monday we're going to do this. So please send us questions over Twitter or send us questions on our discord. And with that, unless there is anything else you want to plug in, that's going to do it for this for uh, this Monday edition of the CJ Show. Uh, once again, we fail to reach the 30-minute mark, but that's okay because this is what the people want. And it's not as if we're like sitting back and just talking about like, hey, you know, we're, we're, we, I don't know, some random 
I don't know, some random filler stuff. We've been able to fill this time with important hockey talk. You should come away from these podcasts informed, whether it's 30 minutes or 90 minutes. It doesn't really matter. Right. It's not like we were like talking about Succession's debut last night or anything like that, although I did enjoy that. Um, but we're, we're hitting you with the hockey goods is all I'm saying. At least. Uh, maybe at some other point we can uh, trade lists on TV shows that we watch. Uh, but that that could be a whole like 20 minutes of itself. I don't want to. No, make mine is so short, man. All I do is watch hockey, a little bit of football and Succession and Ted Lasso. Ooh, you watch Ted Lasso? I haven't watched the new season yet, so no spoilers. I what? I know. I know. Okay. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to binge it soon, but the problem is there's okay. hockey every night, and that's not a problem. It's a great problem to have, but you know, time is time is going through the hourglass, Julian. Your 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 list of TV shows is as long as mine, and I'm going to stop myself here before I end up spoiling season two for you. For CJ, I'm Julian saying so long. Uh, Thursday, brand new episode of the Chris Johnston Show will be out. Uh, we may have a new segment on that particular episode and Thursdays going forward. So uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. And peace. Peace. The Chris Johnston Show. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter, at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie, at JK McKenzie.